Father, we thank you for your word today, that it's always living and active, and it always has the power to transform both minds and hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible tells us that when Moses came, he brought the law. It was a gift from God. The world was lawless. The nations were lawless. There was gross evil, immorality in the world, and he, he gives us the Ten Commandments and other laws that cause the people of God to come out of the world to be a, a, a separate entity, his own people. But the law could not transform the heart. The law generally, not exclusively, but generally focused on outward actions. Don't steal, don't fornicate, don't commit murder, things like that. When Jesus came, he introduced a new kingdom. And the Bible says in John, where Moses brought the law, Jesus brought truth and grace. He, he superseded, we talked about what the word abolishment, it meant to fulfill it. Not, not to like say that it, that it doesn't have any importance, but to fulfill it. And then he goes beyond and says, let me, let me get behind the law and show you what God's character is that's motivating these commandments. Because really prior to the coming of the Spirit and prior to Jesus' birth, suffering, burial, and resurrection, we probably weren't able to apprehend the ethics of the kingdom of God. So Jesus shares the longest sermon in the New Testament. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And we're going to do a line upon line expository approach to these three chapters. Today we're in our fifth, is it the fifth or the fourth? Four or five message in this. And we're going to begin in verse 21, chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, jump there. If, if you want to follow along on the screen, that's perfectly fine. Today's message is entitled, The Danger of Anger the danger of anger, okay? You all with me so far? I'm going to read out of the New King James today. Um, I generally read out of the English Standard Version, but I have a reason for doing that today. And so we're going to begin in verse 21. I'm going to read through the text. There's six verses. I'm going to read through all six verses. Then I'm going to double back, and we're going to work through them one at a time. Does that sound okay? All right says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Now, six times Jesus uses the phrase, you have heard of old. You've heard of old, six times. He's saying, you know the old covenant and you know this is true in the old covenant. You shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. All of his listeners are going, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we know, we know that's, the, that's the sixth commandment. We know that, we got it, God's against murder, and if you commit murder, you are judged accordingly, okay? Then verse 22, he says, but I say to you, so he's elevating himself higher than Moses. Jesus is the Messiah, he is 
God incarnate. He is saying, I've come to, to fulfill the law. You know that you're not supposed to murder, but I'm going to get behind what causes people to murder. And it's going to be anger in the heart. He says, God's as concerned with anger in your heart as he is with other things. But I say to you that whoever, whoever, if you're a whoever, lift your hand. You're a whoever. This isn't for the other guy. It's not for you. Thank God we're getting a sermon on anger. I can't handle my girlfriend any longer. Boy, I hope she gets this message. No, it's for us. Every one of us is for you. Whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. The judgment, referring to the eternal judgment at the end of time. It says, whoever is angry, two words for anger. In, in Greek, there's the word uh, thumos, which is like uh, short temper. And there is the word uh, orge, which is your seething underneath. You're, you're, you're boiling underneath. This is, this is the, the latter. This is orge. Okay, so you're seething, you're angry, long-standing anger with your brother. And now the King James puts in the phrase without cause. Y'all see that phrase, without cause? And I think, I think the writers of the New Testament put that in there to leave room for righteous anger. Because the Bible says there is place for righteous anger. Where there is injustice in our world, an appropriate response of righteous anger is required. But the oldest manuscripts which were discovered after the writing of the King James, the 19th century. The older manuscripts don't have that phrase in there. So some do, some don't. I, I, that's why I'm doing King James today. I like it in there. Now you might be looking at your Bible, it's not in there. The reason it's not in your Bible, you're probably using older manuscripts in the translation of your Bible. Okay, you all with me on that? So, if you're angry with your brother without cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. Second time we hear the word danger. And whoever says to his brother, raka, that's an Aramaic word that roughly is translated empty, means empty-headed, means uh, doofus, dork, uh, democrat, you know, all those D words in there. Don't worry, I'll slam the Republicans in just a minute. <laughs> They're in danger of the judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, you empty-headed twit. You no-brain goof-off. Shall be in danger. You're in danger, it says here, of the council. They're having a view here of the Jewish synagogue that has a council. In other words, you're in danger of being brought before the elders of the synagogue and disciplined. Why? Why are you being disciplined? Because you ran off at the mouth and said things that you weren't supposed to say. He also may have in view the word council may reference a group of elders in a church because Paul or Matthew writes a lot about the ecclesia, the church. I think it may be speaking here of the church. You're in danger of being called before the elders. When's the last time 
our church has called somebody before the elders, Pastor Melvin, because they called somebody a twit. We don't do that. We let stuff like, you know, this is what he's saying. He said, listen, when you get angry and you call somebody something, they're an empty-headed, no good son of a gun, he says, that's, you're in danger of something. Then he goes on, he ups the ante, and whoever says, you fool, that's the word, that's the Greek word more, which we get the English word moron. You moron. You malfeasant. Give me a word. You malfeasant idiot. Thank you. You weren't calling me an idiot. No, you're just saying, yeah. Thank you. It says, shall be in danger of hell fire. Not just hell. When we are angry in our speech towards others, and we say hurtful things on purpose, I'm not talking about profanity. I'm just talking about attacking a person's character. I can't believe you're that stupid. There you go, it fits right here. You're in danger of fires, the hellfire. Then the word there is Gehenna, which is a valley right by Jerusalem, still there. Outside the, old, outside the old city where they used to burn the garbage. It's the landfill. And when you light that on fire, it just burns forever. So he's likening hell to that. It just burns forever. He's saying, you're in, if you don't get a control of your anger, listen, he said, I'm getting, I, he's, four times he uses the word danger. Four times. Danger, 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 danger. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, verse 23, and therefore remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Verse 25, agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hands you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, truly, listen to me. I say to you, you will by no means get out of there until you have paid the last penny. Let's take away from this. We're going to look at two verses at a time, okay? I have three things I want to talk about. Two verses at a time. The first two verses... I'll read them quickly again. It says, you have heard that it was said of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be in danger of the judgment. Verse 22, but I say to you that whoever is angry or gay with his brother, now it says with his brother, not with a person. In other words, it's, it's implying within the church, within your family, within the community of faith, without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Not just murder, man. Now we'd all agree in the room here that murder, you ought to, go, you ought to pay a price for murder. You can't have a civilized culture where murder is allowed. He's saying, listen, I'm going to up anger. I'm going to up anger in the kingdom to a level similar to murder. And whoever says to his brother, Raka shall be in danger of the council. And whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Anger breaks the sixth commandment. 
Anger breaks the sixth commandment. Jesus says in Matthew 15, we don't need to turn there, but he says, listen to this. He says this, verse 19, for out of the heart proceeds murder, adultery, fornication, and theft. Where does theft start? In the heart. Where does adultery start? Nobody sleeps with somebody just, you know, like you're walking, you're going to go shopping, and you, then you sleep with somebody. You're thinking about it. It started in here long before you act on it. Murder starts in here long before you act on it. Stealing, Jesus, it happens in here long before you act on it. It's out of the heart. That's why the Bible says watch over your heart. Now, this is a simplistic saying, but it's, there's a lot of truth in it. Where Moses was interested in outward behavior primarily, Jesus is most interested in what's going on in your heart. You can fake being a Christian. You can fake being nice. But if I find your trigger and I push your button, look out, baby. There's something in there not very many people get to see. He says, I'm interested in that. In here. What is anger? Anger is that thing, you know, that springs up in us when we have a desire blocked. When I have a desire block, I want that, it's blocked. I need that, it's blocked. I don't want to do that, it's blocked. I have something I want to do or an opinion I want to hold or correction I want to make and it's being blocked by somebody. It causes anger. Angry words have terrifying power and circumstances or consequences. Angry words have terrifying power power. Don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. But would you agree that in this room there's lots of people that were raised by angry parents or a father that was angry? Do you remember when he would fly off the handle? How did you like that? Did it make you grow up? Did it, oh, you got tough? And No, no, no. It crushed you. An angry father is a terrible thing, absolutely terrible. And guys, if you're a father, you can't say, well, I'm under a lot of pressure at work. You don't understand. That's not good enough. Jesus says, I'm not, I'm not just talking about if you, if you strike a child out of anger. He says, I'm saying if you say hurtful words out of anger. He says, listen, you are in danger, brother, of some consequences you have no idea that are coming your way. Jesus says this later in the book of Matthew. He says, uh, you will be held accountable for every idle word spoken. There's no words that we speak that are in the, the neutral category. They're either good words or they're hurtful or bad words or angry words. You say, well, Dan, what do you mean? If I talk about the weather, it has to go in one of the categories. Well, if you talk about the weather, I'll put it over here in the good words. Unless you're angry at the meteorologist, then they're putting it over in the bad column. These words are, are, are destructive. Angry words are destructive. I could do a whole sermon on this. I, I, won't, I love my father. You know I love my dad. And I respect and honor my dad. I really do, from my heart. I had an encounter with my dad once when I was 13, where he lost it. 
and I needed inner healing as an adult, married, with children, and I couldn't get over this, this besetting thought. And with sensitive prayer by sensitive people, I remembered that terrible day. Now, it didn't hit me or nothing like that. There were, it was all words of anger. Don't excuse it. Don't justify it. Words of anger have a consequence in the listener and on you. See, anger feeds every other kind of sin. Anger is the first one Jesus wants to talk about. He says, this critter affects everything else in your life. You gotta, you gotta understand that as kingdom people, you're called to a different way and empowered to a different way of living. Dallas Willard says that nothing is done better when you are angry. Ephesians chapter four says that unwholesome talk that's angry leads to grieving the Holy Spirit, which leads to rage. The number one way we grieve the Holy Spirit, listen to me, is not by not consenting to being used in the gifts of the Spirit. It, grieving the Holy Spirit is, is not, it's not like uh, I, I ignored some leading of the Lord in my job or at home. The main way we grieve the Holy Spirit is you're a verbal bully. And the Holy Spirit is grieved. And he says, I ain't touching that with a 10-foot pole. Now, some of you might say, well, Dan, isn't there good anger? Yeah, there's good anger. It's called righteous indignation. For every 20 verses about bad anger, there's one verse about good anger. And that's where there's an injustice. Anger is a motivator. It does cause us to rise up in faith and courage. But he's not talking about the. He's talking about a different kind of anger. It's, it's an anger that comes from the heart that is carnal. Anger can open the door to demonic activity. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27 says, If in your anger do not sin, why does he have to say that? Because it's easy to sin in anger. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not grieve, excuse me, and do not give the devil, do not give the devil a foot. It doesn't say the devil takes a foothold or the devil horns his way in there. It says you give, you're, you're putting out the welcome mat to, to, the, to the devil when you refuse to deal with anger and it can become a habit. You know, some of us have been, I haven't, but a lot of you, most of you have been alcoholics. Well, that's an addiction. And if it's an addiction, you can't stop. Or, or, or you've been addicted to something else. The definition of addiction is when your will no longer has the ability to control the action. It's when the will gets disabled. So when somebody says, just stop drinking, they don't know what they're talking about. That will, you know, just say no. Well, that doesn't work with an addiction. The will has to be rebuilt. Now, what was I talking about? I have gone like five steps. Huh? 
Footholds, and thank you for listening to the sermon. I appreciate that right there. So anyway, right there, appreciate that. Yeah. So, so anyway, you give a foothold, and if a foothold's not dealt with, it becomes a stronghold. And what's a stronghold? You can't control that temper anymore. So today you're going to make a resolution. I'm not going to be an angry man anymore. Good luck on that. Good luck on that. You're going to need more than just activating a thought. There's going to need to be some deliverance. Now, you can self-deliver. I'm not talking about I got to roll you on the ground to kick out a demon of anger. I'm not that kind of guy. But it is demonic. Years ago, my brother and I had some cattle, owned cattle together. We rented a, a small farm together, and we had a bunch of cattle. It was time to sell them. And uh, it was the day we were loading them up in the truck. We had a herd of about 30 ang black uh, Angus Hereford crosses, and we were loading the we had cows, and they were loading we were loading the calves up to take them to market. <clears throat> and it, so we backed the truck up. It's a big truck, and it's a chute. We we got to run the cattle up the chute into the truck, and once the last cow is in the truck, you put in the gate. Does that sound simple to you all? Well, getting all the cattle into a pen isn't the easiest thing, but I got them all. This is my brother and me, alone, the two of us. At this time, I'm about 19, he's 14. And I get the cattle up, we get the cattle up in the truck, and my brother's got the end gate, the tail, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the gate you stick in the truck when all the cattle are in there. So he's waiting, you know, all the cattle are coming through. I said, okay, Mark, put in the end gate. So my brother goes to put the end gate in, and one cow, who was an ornery cow, who also had the demon of anger, <laughs> came out, turned around in there, and started to come out. Well, my brother's only 14. You know, he weighs 110 pounds. The cow weighs 1,200. He's getting out of the way. So my brother jumps out of the way. The cow comes out. The next cow comes out. The next cow comes out. I'm over here going, Get the gate in the truck. And I'm yelling, I'm boiling. Then something happened to me. I clicked and I reached for a pipe. It's about this long and about this big around. And I took up that pipe and I walked towards my brother. He had death all over his face. I did not strike him. Right, when I came to my senses, of course I hit him in the gut, but when I came to my senses, no, I didn't do anything. When I came to my senses, I go, something clicked back there. I went from carnal anger to having given the devil a foothold in my emotions. And for a minute there, it wasn't just me there was two of us in my body or in my mind or in my emotions. I'm still culpable for my actions totally, but it was a weird feeling. If some of you have anger issues, you know what I'm talking about. You'll be angry and then you'll get to a point where you flip into a different person and your spouse might say, I don't know who you are. Well, truthfully, when you come to your senses, you will say, I don't know who I was either. That's not... 
that's not who I want to be. You're still culpable. I mean, I'm not saying you get off the hook, but you know he got a foothold. And you do that again and again and again, and eventually it's a stronghold, and you're a dangerous person. I say, can a Christian be that way? Well, it's rare, but it is possible. There's a couple that got married in our church years ago. She had never really had a boyfriend. She was as pure as driven snow. She married a guy, a young guy, good guy, nice guy, entrepreneur guy, who had a temper. And when he'd come home, he would fly off the handle if things weren't just the way he wanted them. And she came in, they came in for marriage counseling and they were talking to me and as she talked to me, her hands just shook like this. He never did get it. He never smelled the coffee. He justified, and basically this was his response, it's no big deal. I'm just, I'm just letting off some steam. Well, that marriage lasted another six months and she was done with him. And if that had been my daughter, I wish she would have never married him, but I would have said, get out of there. Wouldn't you? I mean, marriage isn't licensed it's just to beat up a spouse because they're a Christian and they can't leave you. That's no marriage. What is that? That's just legalized abuse. I'm anti-divorce. What I'm not saying is just divorce. But I am saying, come on, anger is destructive. Ladies, it, you can also have an anger issue. just not the guy thing, although it really is a guy thing. Because the Bible says in Ephesians, men, lift up your hands in prayer without anger. They, in the New Testament, anger is generally addressed to men. How, does, how do men address anger? By being humble. Humble themselves. But you can have a, you can have a woman who's an angry woman. Man, I'm glad I'm not married to an angry woman. She's, she's, she's good looking and nice. And I haven't seen her for five weeks and I really miss her a lot. <laughs> Matthew 5, 23, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Evidently at the time of Jesus speaking, the, the second temple was still, uh, was still there in Jerusalem. It was destroyed in 72 AD because he says, take it to the altar. Because once that was destroyed by the Romans in 72 AD, there was no altars. Gone. All altars were gone. And he's talking a little bit here in metaphor because if you're up in, if you're up in Galilee, and, and you remember you have awe with your brother, you're not going to walk all the way down to Jerusalem. It's, it's talking about a principle here, and I'm going to get to it. And there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift to be reconciled. Now let's just start with who has got the problem with whom? It says, you remember that you have aught with them? What do you remember? They 
have aught with you. So you can't say, well, I ain't got no problem with them. That's all on them. If they've got an issue, they've got an issue. I'm good with it. Doesn't count. That's the way the world thinks. As kingdom-minded, Christian, spirit-filled, we are concerned if another believer has aught with us. It does register. And the Bible says, go be reconciled to them. How do you do that? Hey, Bob, this is Dan. I just checking, man, is everything okay with us? Okay. I, you know, because, man, if I hurt you, I am so sorry. You know, I can, I, I can really be a pill. You own it. You, you give grace. You lay out a welcome mat. You, you're, you're more interested in reconciling than making the point that you were right. You want to get things patched up, right? So it says if, if you're presenting your gift at the altar, remember that somebody has ought with you, uh, go take care of it. Most reconciliation then will depend on you. Hello, Christians, spirit-filled believers, and deep guests, fellow countrymen. 90% of the reconciliation you will have between, other, between you and other people will be initiated by you. We'll say, Dan, I'm 100% in the right. What? That doesn't make much difference. You have the attitude of reconciliation and you make the call, you write the letter, you send the email or whatever to make a, a, a good heart effort to reconcile. If your anger has hurt somebody, you, you got to go on it. This is not easy if you're not a Christian because we get hurt or offended with somebody, we will harden our view and to get that to get you, who might be the innocent party, by the way, to call the guilty party to start communication, reconciliation in a right way, that that's why the early disciples said, Really, we're supposed to live by this? This is nearly impossible. You see, anger is a poison. And the Lord is saying, take extraordinary measures to get it out. Second thing is God values relationships, and this is where we'll close it out today. He values relationships more, and this is how I word it, doing church. Giving an offering in the Jewish ceremonial religion was a big deal. It was required, by the way. You had to give offerings. It was, part, it was integral to the worship of an Orthodox Jew was to give offerings. In other words, in the practicing of the religion, you had to give offerings. And Jesus is giving a revolutionary thought. He says this, before you practice your religion, if the Holy Spirit brings to your mind that somebody has ought with you, Deal with it in your heart and then try to reconcile. Now, there's no guarantee. The Bible says as much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. But you've got to take this, the next step. 
in our situation to be this way. Before you worship, before you intercede, before you tithe, before you go on that missions trip, before you evangelize your neighbor, the Lord says, if I bring it to your mind, you got to take care of it. Now, how does it come to your mind? Who, who do you suppose is bringing it to your mind? The Holy Spirit. Now, I'm a practitioner. Hey, I, my whole life I've never preached a message when, I've had, when there's been aught that somebody has with me. I've never done it one time. I just fear God. Like I will go into the pulpit without that. So consequently, I make up with my wife on Saturday night very often. Man, I don't want to risk it with God. In my life, probably 50 times, maybe more, she and I will be standing next to each other worshiping or getting ready to worship, you know, call to worship or getting ready to go. And then I feel that, oh, I said something that hurt her. I thought it was justified. And what I said was technically true. But it hurt her. she won't say anything rats I wish she would say something she won't she just sits there stands there because she is a godly woman and so I'll grab her hand I've done this countless times I'll grab her hand I'll whisper in her ear something to the effect of honey do you forgive me I'm sorry for my pride You know, when you ask forgiveness for your pride, that's the best, man. That hurts the most. That's why it's the best. And when she forgives me, then I can lift both hands and praise. If I would preach and not be reconciled to my wife, I would be a hypocrite. And only God would know. I don't think the anointing would leave me right away. I could get away with it. But none of us want to get away with it. We want to have pure hearts and pure hands before God. Anger is a big deal. He doesn't let it pass. He says, listen, I value the relationship with the church, with members, with your pastor, with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents. I value that more than you do in church. Final, our final verse Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hands you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Surely I say to you, you will by no means get out of there. Who's talking here? Jesus. Till you have paid every last penny. Speaking in metaphor here. He's saying reconciliation is best done quickly. Don't wait for the right time, the right day, until you're in the right, you know, or he or she, blah, 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 blah. Let go of your pride. Jesus is saying, don't fear your self-righteousness. Just let it go. 
forfeit your entitlements, your right to be respected, and go make right. And then he says, listen, if you don't do that, you eventually end up in a prison. What's he talking about there? Jews didn't have debtor's prisons. They didn't do that. Romans did, but Jews didn't. He's not talking here, he's talking in metaphor, not of a, of a literal prison. He's saying, it's a prison in your mind. And there will be a bondage and a darkness that will entrap your mind and emotions until you take care of every last thing that needs to be reconciled. And he says, take care of one, I'll bring another to mind. Take care of one, I'll bring another to mind. Then there'll come a day when nothing comes to mind. At that point, come and see me. I'll give you a few of my offenses and you can take care of them then. See, that's what inner healing does. People are in bondage, man. How'd they get there? Anger that led to strife that got justified, hardened. And we come up with these great ideas like God knows, he'll take care of it. No, no he won't, you take care of it. And the Holy Spirit, you know, it's too painful. Well, you didn't sign up for a painless journey. Forgiveness is not a comfortable thing because you've got to humble yourself. Or So he's saying, listen, you don't want to be in bondage? Take care of your relationships. And he says, by doing so, you'll demonstrate to the world the DNA of a kingdom that's upside down, that only those that are born again and spirit-filled can actually walk in these principles. Father, we thank you today that anger doesn't have to have us anymore. There is a way out. And the way out begins with a Savior. So Jesus, we thank you this morning that you forgive us of all of our anger. If you're grateful for that, just lift your hand with my Lord. We're thankful that you've forgiven us for every attitude of anger, every word spoken in anger, every action taken in anger. Lord, we thank you that you have forgiven us. Now, Lord, as you bring to our remembrance those to whom we must reconcile, give us the faith to do it quickly. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope that you enjoyed our sermon today. I hope that you were inspired and challenged. And maybe you have a question about something that you heard in the message today, or maybe you need prayer. We would love to take the time to pray with you and answer any questions that you might have. All you need to do is simply send us an email to online at newlife.global and we would love to connect with you. Well, be sure to subscribe to our channel. You should see the link right over here somewhere and turn those notifications on. That way you are notified every single time we go live on YouTube. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you on the next video. Take care.